1: Hormis, episode 251. Hello, my riches. I'm Hayut, and today we are going to talk about the most critical factor for entrepreneurial success, the customers, or in other words, sales. Among all the challenges entrepreneurs are facing, getting more clients is the challenge that is mentioned most. Customers are the oxygen of any business, and yet, we often think about getting customers and sales as a given. Surprisingly, in most cases, focus on getting more customers to grow your business is much easier than most entrepreneurs think. But often, they prefer to focus on finding a cheaper manufacturer, making changes in the product... Or replacing the team rather than increasing their leads and customer base. Why? Probably because customers' marketing and sales are something most business owners are not certain of. They are not aware of the speed and volume of growth they can get through focus on the right customers to generate more leads and sales. In today's episode, I chose to focus on the stories of three successful entrepreneurs who realized that focusing on the customer is the easiest and fastest way to win. My first guest for today is Karl Meyer, who said, The customer is critical. One of my mentors said many years ago that nothing happens until you sell something. So obviously, that starts with the customer. Karl Meyer founded Abundant to help internal and external business advisors be even more effective in helping their clients to grow and succeed. Abandon is the third software company Karl has co-founded. In his various roles over the past three decades, he has been part of the leadership team in six established companies which have at least doubled sales in two years. Leveraging his successes, Carl developed the Abandoned Framework and led the development of the practical management tools in the Abandoned Tools app. These online SaaS software-as-a-service tools build the management structure for companies to grow and succeed. Carl Meyer, what a great pleasure to have you here. Hi.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: It's a great pleasure to have you. You're an entrepreneur yourself, and we are talking to entrepreneurs. And I want to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that listen to us right now regarding their customer focus or anything that has to do with their customer
2: approach? Mm -hmm. Right. The, uh, the customer is critical. One of my mentors said many years ago that, you know, nothing happens until you sell something. So (laughs) obviously (laughs) that starts with the customer. So, um, yes, you know, I think one of the kind of entrepreneurial teachings these days is go interview a hundred potential customers. And, you know, I think that assumes kind of a retail approach, but. I think the principle stands of talk to a number of different potential customers and really understand what their problem is and can you solve it in a way that you know, they're willing to pay for. So, you know, that's that's the most fundamental part of starting a business in my mind. So.
1: If I would ask you, what is your best advice, not only about customers, but to any entrepreneurs that uh is out there right now fighting for their success
2: right well early on you know the uh, (laughs) the drill is you know sell something deliver it and collect the money and then repeat so (laughs) (laughs) that's a pretty straightforward process and that's fantastic gets you up to a certain level but what i found is that once you've grown to a certain point it transforms from just sell deliver collect the money to building a team and now it all of a sudden people are how you deliver everything you can't keep growing and do everything yourself and that's a real fundamental transformation And some you know some companies some entrepreneurs are comfortable with that others are more comfortable saying i want to be hands on and You know, that works for them. But know, you know, where you stand in that. Do you want to keep doing it yourself, hands-on, all the pieces, but that limits your growth? Or are you willing to transform and delegate through other people to grow the company? So that's, I think, a very fundamental choice. And that's one I would encourage people to reflect on and decide which way they really want to go.
1: You mentioned teams before. Teams are a crucial factor in business success, according to the way you see things.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Again, you know, if you've just got a handful of people, you know, the team concept is less important. But if you're going to keep growing, you know, the companies that uh, I've been involved with, you know, when we've got 25 or 50 or 100 people, the coordination and communication. Are just critical, and you know you're watching you know the Olympics, uh, football, you know soccer in the U.S. right now. (laughs) You know it's it's all yes I do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Good yes I enjoy that. So yeah, Um, the team is how you make it work. You know any one player can only go so far, but as a team. You can go much further and that's true in business too you know it's it's complicated out there you know you're competing against organizations that can offer a wide range of services they know their product very well they know their customers and you have to perform better than they do in order to consistently beat them so building a team um, building the trust it's, it's just like in a family You you need communication to succeed.
1: Mm. You've got successes, and we'll talk about this in a minute. But I want to ask you to tell us about your most critical, your biggest failure with customers, the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most, or almost the most.
2: Right. I would say that my first software startup was during the dot com boom and everybody said, Hey, technology is going to solve all the problems. And, um, I think I, I got sucked into that and I really didn't understand my customers. It was a uh, B2B marketplace for industrial products. And I really didn't understand, um, you know, I, I was ignoring how the products were actually bought and sold. And in the end, the uh, the company failed because of that. So that's a lesson. You know, we remember our failures better than our, our wins, I think. And that was one that's definitely stuck with me.
1: Now hmm. I would like you to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something that you did right about approaching your customers.
2: Right. So... That would be. Uh, we had a, a service company. We were in the health safety industry. I was part of the uh, the C suite management team, and we really did build a team. There was great communication, connection. People respected each other, and they worked hard. And we were able to really understand what our customer's problem was. Uh, in this case, it was. Um they had people working in the uh, the tropical areas, high value people that were getting malaria and getting sick and oh. yeah, it was uh you know, very uh serious, you know, illness for these people. And we were able to come in and cut their malaria rate in half the first year and in half again wow. second year. And you know, so we clearly were solving their problem. And because we were able to come in and solve a problem, do it you know effectively, we were able to uh, grow the company. We grew it in four years by a factor of seven. So we grew it from you know one up to seven in four years in sales.
1: Amazing.
2: Yeah. And so yeah, and that was it. Was really all about you know understanding the customer, understanding their problem, and then you know, bringing a solution to their problem.
1: What a great uh, feeling it is, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. absolutely.
0: Not
1: only did the company succeed, but you really helped people or even saved their life. So, sounds That's, terrific.
2: Yes, yes, and the customer definitely appreciated it. It was very rewarding in that sense.
1: Hmm. My second guest today is Dan Go. Dan's best advice to entrepreneurs was, Focus on generating revenue. Sometimes it's much easier to sell and get your customers, not only to raise money. Dan McGo is an award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, and the CEO of McGo.io, an analytics and marketing technology consultancy and SaaS platform. In addition, Dan also finds time to be a 500 startup mentor and has previously started the first business accelerator in Orlando. In 2015, Dan was selected to be a United States Ambassador for Entrepreneurship by the United States Department of State, where he had the privilege to advise the government, universities, and private corporations on how to build entrepreneur ecosystems. He even flew out to Mexico to be an entrepreneur ambassador for Tijuana and Mexicali. Dan lives in Orlando, Florida, with his wife, three sons, and two French bulldogs. He is a keen runner and a self-made millionaire who grew up in the ghetto, fought his way out, and is very grateful for the hardships he had in life as it taught him The persistence and grit required to succeed today. Dan McGill, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi.
3: Hey, how are you today?
1: I'm fine. I'm great. And yourself?
3: I'm doing amazing.
1: You are an entrepreneur yourself, and I would like to ask you what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that's listening to us right now?
3: Focus on generating revenue, right? I think a lot of startups and a lot of founders get distracted by trying to raise uh, funding and getting a VC to give them money. Um, I'm a big believer in like let's let's do let's <laughs> drive revenue, uh, and I'm also a big fan of like listen, we need to do sales. Uh, it's you have to talk to customers, you have to talk to prospects, you've got to get out there, and you've got to better sell your product. Uh, to generate revenue. That's the fastest way to grow your company. Uh, I'm a big believer in uh, bootstrapping. And I think that too much emphasis in the startup phase now is like, oh, I've got to go raise this money. And it's like nine times out of ten, you don't really need to raise any money.
1: I do agree with you. I've been saying this for years. and 14 years working with startups. And coming from marketing myself, I found out that um, a lot of times entrepreneurs are just skipping This stage of going to the market or trying to go to the market only after they're raising the money. And sometimes it's much easier to uh, sell and to uh, get your customers and not only to uh, raise money.
3: 100% agree. I totally agree. I mean, both of my companies now are both bootstrapped. Um, and my last company, which was funded, honestly, my investors were as much of the reason why we went out of business as they were, why we were able to build all the things that we did. So investors are not always going to help you. So, and even when I was at Kissmetrics, you know, some of the advice we were being given by our board, um, is part of the reason why the company struggled.
1: Hmm. I uh, love you saying that you've got successes and we started to talk about it, and we'll talk about it in a minute again. But I want you to tell us the story of your biggest, most critical failure with customers, the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most.
3: Oh, man, there's a there's a ton of failures in there. I mean, that's kind of hard for me to pick <laughs> just one of them. So... Um, you know, in regards to, you know, I definitely have had plenty of opportunities to fail customers and stuff like that. I think in consulting, I definitely have experienced some fascinating ways that we can fail companies. I mean, we just had a client that we worked on, uh, and unfortunately the team, the team member of mine that was leading the project just was not capable of doing the work. Um, so like failure happens, right? Uh, it's just part of the game. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, one failure that I can think of that um, even in this business, which really kind of shook me to the core and really kind of just changed my perspective uh, on people altogether. Um, when we first started this this business, Magal.io, uh, seven years ago, we had a team member here who stole a company intellectual property. Oh. So basically, we came up with a business idea um, in a meeting, and then we said, "Listen, this sounds great. Like we could build this, but we're gonna we're not going to build this right now because we have a client where this is conflicting with them." Um, This would be competitive to their product. And you know, like this just isn't a priority. Um, So two months later, all of a sudden in a meeting, this guy's doing a demo and accidentally shares his screen. And on his screen, he shows uh, a Trello board, which has this product on it. And I'm not going to name the name, but either way, we're like, oh, what's that? And then he shows us what it is. And it's 100% the product uh, that we had originally talked about uh, as a team. And we, of course, addressed it, brought it up with him and said, "Hey, listen, this isn't acceptable. This is company IP, whatever. Like, let's let's come to terms. Like, we're happy to give you equity in this business. We're happy to work with you on this, but like we need to like this was something that was started by the team, uh not you. This isn't your business. Um this was something that was started here. They were they declined um to do that and they they fought us on it, so we decided to terminate that employee. Unfortunately, that employee um also had access to uh, all of our customers' um, databases. Um, And this team member thought it was appropriate to steal one of our customers' email lists and then promote their product, which is competitive to that customer, uh, to their email list. Um, And, you know, that was a huge data breach uh, for us. And we obviously, our client and us, attacked this person with lawyers and legal and all that stuff. But it really changed my perspective on, like, Hey, listen, people are going to do really, really shitty things, and you've got to kind of cover your ass. And we've rolled out tremendous security protocols and practices since then to really secure the business and secure our clients. Uh, we take security to an extreme level. Um, like that vulnerability doesn't happen again, but that type of thing really was, uh, it changed my opinion in entrepreneurship altogether.
1: Wow, what a story. Wow. Now I'd like you to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success. As a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers?
3: Yeah, you know, um, really good question. I mean, when we first started Maga.io, we used to be called and Amazing, which was super cool. We had a great company <laughs> named FN Amazing. I can't take the credit. Uh, my wife actually named the company, which was super funny. <laughs> but the, the one thing that I would just say that was like a super, super big success for us, which, you know, I don't know if it was luck or I'm just smart, but... For the first year and a half, two years, we didn't really have a niche. We were kind of just taking clients for digital marketing and marketing and technology. We were kind of just like kind of, you know, flailing about. Whoever would give us money, we would kind of take it. Um, And about two years in, I started saying to myself, uh, in one of our slow seasons, like we've got to do something where we don't have competitors all the time. We've got to do something where we're we're unique and we're we're first to market. And, you know, this is about five years ago now, and I made the decision back then. I said, listen, we're going to be known for the tech stack. We're going to be known for building the best marketing tech stack um, out there because nobody was solving that problem. There was agencies that did analytics. There was agencies that did marketing automation. There was agencies that did CRM and all these specialty shops. But what we said was, is nobody focuses on building you a tech stack. Nobody focuses on all the tools and how to integrate them. So we bit that off, and you know it's been wildly successful for us. Um, we, I mean, we're sold out uh, for services until the end of October right now. In the next couple of weeks, wow. we'll be sold out for the rest of the year. You know, we have a high class. Pro- We've had a high class problem since we made that decision. Is, is our number one problem is hiring more people to ultimately do the work. So that's paid off really, really well. I mean, I wrote a book on how to build a stack. It's called Build Cool Shit. Um, if you go to hmm. magal.io, you can get a free copy of it on our website. So that would definitely be one of the the successes that I've had in my career. Don't get me wrong. I've been very lucky. I've had a lot of success in my career. I've been at this for over 20 years. But that would be the one that's most top of mind since it's uh, most relevant recently.
1: I love that because I believe that focus is the most important law of marketing. And that's what you decided to do. How do you define this advantage? What companies are saying about you? They are the best in tech stack. What companies would say about it when they recommend you to their friends?
3: yeah, for sure. I mean, um, we're definitely the best in building marketing technology stacks uh is widely what people talk about. We're really good at building tech stacks, we're really good at building analytics uh we're really good at optimizing people's funnels um so we spend a lot of time on that, and you know we have a ton of video testimonials on our website, so I always let my customers do the talking um. Mm-hmm. Because naturally, my job is always to sell what we're doing and make it sound good. But, um, you know, uh, people say we're the best in building stack. Uh, and that's pretty awesome for us.
1: Hmm. My last guest for today is Warren Coglin. Warren's best advice to entrepreneurs is to serve. My definition of sales is professionally helping people solve problems. Warren Helps principal entrepreneurs build a business that matters. That is one that delivers to you, the owner, attractive profits and a fulfilling lifestyle while also creating positive impact on customers, team and the larger community. In other words, it is one that helps make the world, or just your corner of it, a better place. He has been helping entrepreneurs do this since 2002. He was the top coach in Canada with the world's largest business coaching company before going out to focus on businesses that matter. His clients have experienced everything from 8-figure exits to 7-figure salaries, from repeat expansion to minimized operational work, because of the development of great leaders and high-performance values-driven cultures. Worm is also a recovering lawyer, a senior entrepreneur, colleague professor, actor, theater director, and dad to a wonderful daughter who constantly challenges him to be a better person. Worm Corgrine, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi!
0: Hi there, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: I'm so happy we are talking. What would be your best advice to any entrepreneur out there, mainly regarding the customer focus or something that has to do with their customer approach? Because that's what this podcast is mainly focusing on.
0: Right. Um, for me, I always think it's to serve, you know, to try to try to be of help. If you are, if you go into a sales call trying to land the deal for yourself, I always feel the prospect can sort of smell that a little bit. They may wind up buying mm-hmm. from you, but there's a, there's a sort of a level of discomfort. But if you go in there only with the objective of helping someone, that's actually my definition of sales is professionally helping people solve problems, which makes it then a really kind of honorable activity. And when you do that, then people are, it's interesting. I found people become way more open. They give you a lot more information and the relationship just becomes much more enjoyable. I, I had a client once. <laughs> She, I was teaching her sales. So, you know, this was after she became a client. We were doing a sales training session. And I said, I was talking about this. And I said, remember our sales call? And she said, what sales call? I said, well, when we first met. She goes, that was a sales call? <laughs> you you? She goes, I thought you were just there to help me. I said, I was. And at the end of it, you wanted me to keep helping you. And she
2: goes, oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: but that was the it's authentic. Beautiful. It's, it's yeah, beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, so that's that's what I think. If you if you have a service focus to your customers, like always wanting to help them, you're going to have long client relationships and customer relationships.
1: I do believe that, but I must admit that I don't think that anyone would think that my sales calls are only to help them. And I think <laughs> it's getting to a very high level of, of giving service, so good for you. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think if you, it's, it's not so much that you're not applying sales techniques, but it's you're using them in the service of the person, right? Like people have a natural resistance to change, right? And so often the deployment of sales skills is, if it's done in the right way, is meant to help someone overcome a resistance that keeps them from what is in their own best interest. So if you believe your solution is in the client's best interest truly, then sure, you should you know use some sales techniques to try to help them solve their problems. Mm. But if you're doing it just through the perspective of I just want to land this deal to hit my conversion rates, then you're making it about you, not about them.
1: You can't succeed in the business of you live if you are just concentrating on yourself.
0: Yeah, I I think you can make money doing that, but I don't think you'll ultimately be happy. I think people derive a lot more personal satisfaction from knowing that they're actually helping people. And you attract better better team members as well. If, if you have staff who think you're just in it for yourself, yeah, they'll do the job and they'll collect their paychecks. But if you convince your team that you're really in it to help people and people they care about, you're going to have a way more engaged culture for sure. Hmm. you have
1: got successes, and we'll talk about this in a minute. But I want to ask you, what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers? The one mm-hmm. that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most?
0: Yeah, that that's a good question. Um, so I had a client, really nice guy. Um, and I guess where it went wrong was he and I had very different thinking styles. Um, And I didn't really get that early enough. This was relatively early in my career. And so I didn't understand that distinction in our thinking styles well enough. And associated with that, I kind of let him guide the direction because he was in a bit of crisis. So I was sort of following what he said was important. Um And so we were doing things reactively instead of by a plan. Mm. And, you know, what happened was because... I guess I thought he was in crisis, so I was encouraging him to move faster. And I didn't realize earlier enough that he wasn't grasping what we were talking about. And it, he actually wound up feeling more insecure rather than more confident, which is what I want as a coach, is for people to feel more confident. Sure. And it was interesting in terms of results. Like in the short run, the results were actually good because he had, he had a salesperson who was – um killing his margins he was selling lots but by lowering the prices because he just gave the guy commission on sales not on margins Mm -hmm. and the guy was dropping prices and so he was the business was growing but he was actually losing money Mm -hmm. and so you know i helped him change the compensation structure and that kind of thing so we wound up making more money but he did it in a way without fully understanding what we were doing and that just made him it kind of made him feel badly about himself and he avoided some of the tough work about financial analysis and he resisted doing the planning. And it was because I think I was, I was pushing him harder than he could handle. And I didn't, I didn't pick that up well enough.
1: Mm, thank right? you. So
0: that was, that was a big learning because I felt, I felt very badly about that because he was a really, he was a really good guy. Um, and so at the end, I just, I wasn't the right coach for him. Um, and so, you know, I learned some things from that, right? Like, I gotta be more selective with my clients. It has to be a good fit. Um, I have to not be guided just by the customer. I definitely have to listen to their priorities, but we have to work off of plans, right? Um, and candidly, you know, that's, that was a lesson, but I have let that slip once or twice when clients I like have come to me in a crisis. I try to help them through a crisis without first doing that analytical work. And sometimes it doesn't work out. So I've, I've, I've got to really remain committed to making sure I do the right sort of upfront work to make sure I can help people the best.
1: Hmm. And now I would like you to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers.
0: Oh, yeah. That is a fun story, actually.
1: <laughs> That's good. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I had the great God. Um, and when he came to me, he was really unmotivated. He was in tax debt. His team wasn't performing. He was generating some profits and had a decent niche, but had no real growth plan. He was really stuck. And because of where he was emotionally, what we did, we started with a vision for him of the impact he wanted to have, not just in business, but, but in his life. And showed how, with certain revenue targets, that all that was going to be possible, and he started it was really interesting is he started to get excited. he got out of this funk he was in, and then we did three really specific business things. we built a growth strategy at the same time. What I found is that the best strategy just it won't be executed if you have a crappy culture. So mm-hmm. we worked on his culture, and then third, his the sales team were sort of cowboys, and so we put some accountability <laughs> structures in place as well as sales training. And in fact, based on that experience and some other clients, I created a sales accountability planner that is, if I can say it, it's available for free right on the homepage of my website. But it really helps people make sure that sales is doing the right things at the right times. And so those three things together with all of that, his revenues and profits started to grow. His business became way easier to run. His team became way more engaged. In fact, at one of the Christmas parties that I was invited to, some mm-hmm. of the folks there were in tears talking about his leadership,
2: wow. and
0: because he was running so smoothly, he became an act, uh, really attractive acquisition target, and he sold for a nice eight-figure exit, and he's now doing charitable work as well as doing another business. So that, you know, that's one of my favorite successes: taking someone from a state of kind of I've got no purpose and I'm bored and I don't know what to do to eight-figure exit and doing great work in the world to make it a better place after that. So that's. You know, and it was really those three things, right? Strategy, culture, and sales.
1: Sounds fantastic. It's really a fun story. You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really makes it for us, really helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor?
0: One key success factor, wow, um so I would say it's probably a combination. It's primarily developing deep relationships with clients based on caring for them as people. I feel deeply that actually almost well, not all almost in fact, all my clients are my friends. Mm-hmm. I develop you know I've had one said I know her better than her spouse does, another called me the moral center of her business, another asked me to give some counsel to his son. You know, so the result of that is I wind up with really long client retention. I one of the longer client retention rates in the industry. I would my average wow. is about two and a half years. You know, some of them go on six years. So that that developing deep relationship is one part of it, but it's gotta be combined with really solid business discipline tools and frameworks. You know, and, and that combination I think that the person knows I care, but then I've also got the, the toolkit that's gonna help them succeed is is what makes it successful. You know, I found that there's a lot of business coaching that just focuses on the personal and emotional stuff. But I found that providing these kinds of like business tools actually helps build the trust that allows those those deeper conversations to happen. Because they know that I've got some I've got the chops to be able to help them as well as they can see that I care about them. And that that really builds a lot of trust and creates long term relationships and lots of referrals.
1: Hmm. I hope these stories encourage you to look for your biggest market opportunities and find the right customers you should focus on and create the most attractive and accurate sales offer. I hope these stories encourage you to look for your biggest market opportunities, find the right customers you should focus on, you should focus on, and create the most attractive and accurate sales offer. And until next time, bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.